The epistle is from Romans chapter 15. Whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction, that through endurance and through the encouragement of the scriptures we might have hope. May the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another in accord with Christ Jesus, that together you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. For I tell you that Christ became a servant to the circumcised to show God's truthfulness in order to confirm the promises given to the patriarchs and in order that the Gentiles might glorify God for his mercy. As it is written, Therefore, I will praise you among the Gentiles and sing to your name. And again, it is said, rejoice, O Gentiles, with his people. And again, praise the Lord, all you Gentiles, and let all the peoples extol him. And again, Isaiah says, the root of Jesse will come, even he who arises to rule the Gentiles. In him will the Gentiles hope. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The Holy Gospel according to St. Luke, the 21st chapter. Glory be to thee, O Lord. Jesus said, There will be signs in sun and moon and stars, and on the earth distress of nations in perplexity. Because of the roaring of the sea and the waves, people fainting with fear and with foreboding of what is coming on the world. For the powers of the heavens will be shaken, and then they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. Now when these things begin to take place, straighten up and raise your heads, because your redemption is drawing near. And he told them a parable. Look at the fig tree and all the trees. As soon as they come out in leaf, you see for yourselves and know that the summer is already near. So also, when you see these things taking place, you know that the kingdom of God is near. Truly, I say to you, this generation will not pass away until all has taken place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. But watch yourselves, lest your hearts be weighed down with dissipation and drunkenness and cares of this life, and that day come upon you suddenly like a trap. For it will come upon all who dwell on the face of the whole earth, but stay awake at all times, praying that you may have strength to escape all these things that are going to take place, and to stand before the Son of Man. This is the Gospel of the Lord. Praise be to thee, O Christ. I myself am satisfied about you, my brothers, that you yourselves are full of goodness, filled with all knowledge and able to instruct one another. Those are Paul's words that come immediately after our epistle lesson today. He expresses his deep satisfaction in knowing that the congregation in Rome, to whom he is writing this letter, that congregation is full of the Spirit. So full of the Spirit, in fact, through God's Word, that they are able even to instruct one another about the things that are to come, the things that they suffer presently, and the hope that they have in Jesus. Here's the blessing that he gave to them at the end of our epistle lesson. May the God of hope 
fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope. That's my prayer for you today, that the God of hope would fill you with all joy and peace in believing. That is where we are going, joy and peace and nothing but. Joy and peace in believing, joy and peace and hope that are delivered, as Paul tells us at the beginning of that lesson, that are delivered through the scriptures. Listen again to what he says. Whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction, that through endurance and through the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. I have three questions for you this morning about this hope, about this joy, about this peace. First of all, what does it look like? How is it different from worldly joy and peace? Then, the the second question is this, what gets in the way? What prevents us from being joyful, according to the promises that we have from God? And last of all, how do we get there? How do we arrive at such joy? First of all, consider what this joy looks like, this hope and this peace. We have two pictures in our lessons today that I want you to hold fast in your minds throughout this week, throughout your days, two pictures of what that hope and that joy look like. The first one comes from Malachi. You as Christians, by the power of the Spirit, are to be hopeful and joyful the way a calf is when it comes leaping out of the stall, kicking up its hindquarters, bucking running as fast as it can, not a care in the world. Why? Because there is green grass ready to be eaten. It can smell the green grass. It can taste it. It has this this memory, even if it's never had it before. It knows what that green grass is going to be like, and so it goes busting out of the stall. And notice that nothing can get in the way of such a calf. Not a fence, not a gate, not a mud puddle. Nothing is going to stop that calf from getting to that green grass. It runs with reckless abandon, giddy, in fact, over what is in front of it. The same thing goes for you and for me. If you can, picture yourself like one such calf, let loose at long last to pursue the good gifts of God. They're in front of you, the joy and hope and peace of freedom from sin, freedom from sorrow, freedom from grief, rescue from death and the devil. They are all right in front of you. Don't let anything get in your way. Don't let anything distract you from what is in front of you. Keep your eyes fixed on what Jesus has delivered to you. That's the key. Single-mindedness, fixed senses on what is in front of you. There are so many distracting things in this world, things that draw our attention away. It's not how it is for a calf, though, once it smells the green grass. Nothing, nothing gets in its way. Let that be you. Let this also be you. Jesus is warning the people of Jerusalem about some coming destruction. He has said that the walls will be torn down, the temple will be destroyed, not one stone will be left upon another. And he says, when you see all of these things taking place, when this destruction, this dismay, when people are losing their minds with fear, when you see all of that happening, he says, straighten up and raise your heads because your redemption is drawing near. This is the second way that you should think about how that hope, that joy, and that peace look. They are confident, unflappable. And in fact, precisely at the time when everyone else is losing their minds, when everyone else is in a panic, when anxiety and concern and blood pressure are at an all-time high, that is precisely when God's people don't care. That is precisely when they raise up their heads, 
when they stand up straight and they rejoice because their redemption is drawing near. Jesus has said that there will be trouble. Jesus has said that there will be turmoil and grief. There will be crisis. There will be problems. There will be things that will make the world anxious and terrified. But he says to you, don't be afraid. Instead, exactly when that is happening, when something is in front of you that would trouble your heart, that could lead you to dismay and despair, precisely then, when you see that thing, rejoice. Because now you know that your redemption is drawing near. All these things must come to an end. That is true on a grand scale throughout the history of the world. Kingdoms come to an end, nations, peoples, communities, they all crumble in the end. Buildings fall to pieces. It's also true on an individual level, on a smaller scale. Whenever you encounter troubles or trials of any kind, count it all joy because your redemption is drawing near. It is a sign that Christ's word is proving true. He has said all of these things must take place. When you are troubled in your heart, when you are concerned about many things, rejoice. Stand up straight, lift up your head, and be courageous. Christ is on your side. And there is nothing that can hurt you, nothing that can take away from you the joy and the hope that he wants to give to you, the peace that he has won through his blood. Now, both of these things, that picture of the calf leaping from the stall and the one who stands up straight precisely in the face of trouble, those are things that are completely unfamiliar to our world. And if you act that way, you will be thought very strange, perhaps even crazy. And I want to tell you again, I've told you before, it is okay If you don't seem crazy to the world, then maybe something is wrong. If you don't seem crazy hopeful to the world, crazy joyful to the world, then perhaps something is wrong. Perhaps those troubles have worked their way into your heart. Perhaps you have lost sight of the green grass just on the other side of that mud puddle. Perhaps you should again refresh and renew your hope in what Jesus has promised to you. There are lots of things that get in the way. And here's the second question. Examine your lives and see what gets in the way. Jesus describes what gets in the way today as heaviness. Things that weigh you down. So there's the contrast for you. The hope and the joy and the peace that Jesus gives to you produce levity, lightness. You can skip and dance and leap like that man who was paralyzed lying outside the temple and now he can walk, but he doesn't just walk, much less does he just trudge along, but he leaps and he sings for joy. That kind of lightness is what Jesus gives to you. On the other hand, what the devil would like to do is to weigh you down, to tie to you a ball and a chain that drags behind you, that slows you down, that feels heavy in your gut. He would like to fill you with all kinds of dreadful, grave thoughts things that make you slow and sluggish, things that make you want to just numb it all and put it all away. That's why St. Paul talks about dissipation and drunkenness, such a common infection that is, just wanting to numb everything. Don't give your time to dissipation and drunkenness. Dissipation is the consequences of drunkenness. Think about it like a hangover. Don't give your time, your energy, your bodies, your life to numbing them. Don't give yourself to feeling nothing. Don't give yourself to that heaviness out of fear and anxiety and despair as if there's nothing left for you but just to give in to the weight of the trouble of this world. Don't listen to the lies of the devil. Don't believe what he says when he says it would be better if you would just close your eyes and go to sleep. 
It would be better if you would just throw up your hands and give up. What is the point anyways? It would be better if you would just throw in the towel on all of these people, all of these things, all of those problems. Just be done with them. That's what he says in an effort to weigh down your hearts. Don't do it. Don't listen to him. Don't believe those lies. That is not the sound of Jesus' voice. That's the sound of the devil's voice. He also weighs down hearts with cares of this life. Think about all of the things that are passing away that we so easily fall in love with. Money and health and possessions and people and acclaim and favor. All of these things that when you love them and you hold on to them, they weigh you down because you're constantly grasping. You spend all of your energy trying to hold on to things that you cannot hold on to and things that do not deliver what they promise. Don't be weighed down by chasing those kinds of pleasures. The cares of this life are of no account whatsoever. Jesus has told you that he will take care of them. Cast all of your cares on him. Take that burden, that heaviness, that weight. Let him have it. He's the one who can carry it. And take on yourself his yoke and his burden. For they are light. He wants you to be light and easy. Free from care. That's what Jesus wants for you. Which is also why Paul has talked last week about quarreling and jealousy, another thing that weighs us down in this life. Here, this week, he talks about it in terms of harmony or speaking the glory of God with one voice, glorifying God with one voice. You know how much quarreling can weigh you down, how much it can weigh down your own heart, but also how it weighs down the heart of the body of Christ. Do not give way to quarreling and jealousy. Instead, fix your hearts on the goodness of God. Fix your voices on singing the praises of God. Unite them together in a harmony that is beautiful and pleasing to the ears. Think about how awful it is to listen to things that are not harmonious. That's why when they're uh, they're doing psychological warfare, they play really, really loud, awful rock music to the people who they're trying to manipulate or get them to turn over their hostages or whoever it might be, they play really awful, loud, cacophonous, disharmonious music because it is terrible to listen to and it weighs you down and eventually, if you can't plug your ears, you just want out. You want to be done with it. That is what a lack of harmony does. It weighs you down. And so, instead, focus on the harmony. And the harmony is in this. It is in glorifying God. It is in singing the praises of God with one voice, together, as the body of Christ. And that is the answer to the question, how do we get there? So you have a clear picture of this joy, and I think that in that picture there is this sense that it is kind of unattainable. How can I always have the joy of a calf leaping out of the stall? How can I always stand up straight and be confident in the face of trouble? How can I avoid the heaviness that the devil is always assaulting me with? that my flesh is inclined towards? How can I avoid all of those things and cling to the words of Jesus? Here's what it looks like. Watch and pray. This is the key. If Jesus does not grant it to us, then we will not have it. You cannot muster up joy and hope and peace on your own. You cannot push out the darkness. You cannot set aside the weight of sin on your own. If you try, you will be in despair. If we do not ask for it, Why should we expect to have it? And so let us watch and pray. Let us watch and pray together. 
There are all kinds of ideas about what worship consists in. And if you ask just any random person on the street what worship is, what church is about, it would be things like singing the praises of God or coming together to hear God's word. And those things are both true. But there is another element that is essential for us in these days, in these dark and latter days, and that is that we come together to pray, to pray together. Our lives together matter more than you know. St. Paul wishes one thing from the men in the congregation that he is writing about when he writes to Timothy. He says, I wish that the men would gather together and pray with uplifted hands, praying together. That is what we are doing here. You have throughout the course of the week gathered together all kinds of weight and trouble, all kinds of problems that you see in the world in your own lives. You've gathered them together. You've collected them. And you should come here into this place to lay them at the feet of Jesus together, collectively, to pray. That Jesus would give us that joy and that peace and that hope. That he would spread that joy and that peace and that hope to everyone around us. That he would make us a light to our community, to our nation, to the world. He has promised to do it, and so let us ask him to make that happen. The writer to the Hebrews puts it this way. He says, therefore, lift up your drooping hands and strengthen your weak knees and make straight paths for your feet so that what is lame may not be put out of joint but rather healed. How do you make those straight paths? How do you heal what is broken? It is through prayer. Petition to God on behalf of your brothers and sisters, on behalf of your neighbors, on behalf of the world. Pray, strive for peace The writer to the Hebrews says, Strive for peace with everyone, for the holiness and for the holiness without which no one will see the Lord. That's what Jesus is talking about when he says, Watch and pray so that you will escape the things that are coming and stand before the Son of Man. Without that watchfulness, without the answer to our prayers, we will not stand. And so let us watch and pray. We should pray together as those lifting up one voice. It's essential that Christians think about one another as brothers and sisters who pray together before the throne of their Heavenly Father about the most important things, the things that make a difference, not just in our church, but in the world, the light of Christ, his love for us and shedding his blood to forgive all of our sins. He has welcomed us in this way, spreading out his arms on the cross, pouring out his life for us. If that is how he has welcomed us, then, like Paul says, let us also welcome one another in that same way. Let us join together with united voices, in harmony, singing the praises of God, pleading with him that he would give us this hope and this joy and this peace. Here's the thing. He has promised to do it. And so let us ask, and we will surely receive. To God alone be all glory, now and forever. Amen.